give you all of it today. We want to give you all of it. Why? Because it belongs to you anyway. So by an act of our own will, Father, we submit this morning to your spirit. And your spirit will tell us what's on your heart and your mind. It will reveal it to us because it gets it from Jesus. And whatever Jesus has, the Father has. And Jesus says, whatever's in mind, the spirit will reveal it to you. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So good to have you here this morning. I trust that you'll have a good, 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 good rest of the day. It is the first Sunday of the month for us, and there are those uh, who call it Super Bowl Sunday. So we're going to jump right into uh, the Super Bowl scripture, okay? And I want you to turn with me to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. and. You know, we've been looking at this household code for quite some time, uh, dealing uh, with husbands and wives and family uh, and the bride. And uh, I'd like to just uh, read to you the, the, the content and the context of where we're coming from today. And, and, and it is in verse 28 and in verse 29. And it's talking about marriage like Christ. And the church, and there's been some assignments given out to the women, wives, and there's been some assignments given out to the men, husbands. And Rick has done a good job in the last several weeks of addressing uh, the men's uh, long laundry list. Uh, and uh, we still got more left there because there's a long list there. And then it says here in verse 28, so husbands ought, you need to rest on that word at some point. Also, to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his own wife loves himself. That's huge. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it just as nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does of the church. Now, I had mentioned to you a little bit earlier, this is what they call all around the world, Super Bowl Sunday. And there will be over a billion people watching this. And sports kind of brings that kind of attention because life in many, many ways is like sports. But it's about two teams that have been tested and have survived what you would call the challenge. And there'll be many people watching. The whole world will watch this battle and only one will emerge. Because someone will have stood the test of time. You know, the heavenly hosts all around creation is watching the family and see if she will survive. The whole heavenly host is watching the church and see if she's going to be the bride that God wants her to be. And uh, see if that is going to pull through the test and the challenges that are brought to her. And in the last several weeks, we've been telling you about those tests and those challenges that face her, especially when we look at the responsibility of the husband and the responsibility of the wife and the responsibility of the children and the family has been challenged in the last 25 years in a way in America that she's never had in her history. And Jesus spoke about that when the Pharisees in the 19th chapter of the book of Matthew were testing him and they were asking him a question about the boss. And his response was, hey, man, don't you know? Don't you understand from the beginning that he created them male and female? And he says that for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the two will become 
one person. And what God has put together, let no man separate. And man has been trying to separate the family, separate himself for the last several years. Let me tell you something. The church will survive. Amen. And so will the family. Because there's still men out there that love their wives. There's still husbands out there that care about the wife. And there's still wives who are submitted to their husband. And there's still men who are still being men and women who are being women. And they're not confused about that. And so Jesus tells these Pharisees in the 7th, 19th chapter, go back to the beginning. Go back to the standard. It will not be changed. Man can sin against it. He can do whatever he wants, but it's not going to change because it's the standard that I set. Hallelujah. This morning on this Super Bowl Sunday. Hope you're traveling with me. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at something today about what he said to the male, what he said to the husband, the responsibility, the responsibility of being a part of the process, being a part of this process, reflecting what it means to become one flesh with his wife. What does that mean? What is he getting at? And so we looked in the last several weeks at the relationship, the correlation, the design that is from the Lord. And so when you look at this particular verse here in uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 28 and in 29, you see a reflection here that the, that the husband is obligated for, to do something. It says reflecting one person shows something. Reflecting one person, which means when the two come and become one, the man has a responsibility to reflect something to his wife, to reflect something. And reflecting one person shows, watch this, that wholeness in marriage requires two distinct parts. I'll say it again. Wholeness in marriage requires two distinct parts. You know why? Because if two were the same, one would be unnecessary. Wholeness in marriage requires two distinct parts. And that's why the writer in Ephesians, moved on by the Holy Spirit, talking about marriage in such a way where a man is obligated to reflect that. Obligated to reflect before all of creation his love for his bride. And she is different. They are not the same. That's what he's saying here. So when he says these words like, so also, and he says, husbands, he uses four different words here in two verses. One word is called ought. There is something about oughtness that's real. And then he uses another word called love. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And then he uses another word called self, himself. And then he uses another word called other, which means he's got to love the other that is like him, but is not like him, two distinct different parts. And when Jesus in Matthew 19 is answering the question about divorce, and they asked him the question, and they said, does a man, can a man divorce his wife for any reason? And what Jesus does is he goes back to Genesis. We're going to look at that in just a moment. And he goes back to the standard. He goes back to the mark. And he says, this is the standard and mark that I have left for man, especially the husband. I want him to be the epitome of love. I want him to be obligated to love. If there is such a word as obligatory, <laughs> I just made it up. He's obligated. And he's obligated because love is obligated to itself. 
Love is responsible to itself. Love is going to be love whether you like it or not. But let's not get confused because the Greek knew that there were four different kinds of love. We won't talk about that. But what do we mean by oughtness? Well, it don't take long for you to look at that first John 4 chapter and verse 11 and it says, because he loved us, we ought, we are obligated to love each other. Is anybody in here this morning? We're obligated to do this. This is our responsibility. This is something that comes from God. But see, God doesn't need love. Listen to me. He is love. Amen. Don't need it. He is. And it is him who defines it. It is him who gives it its definition. Not man, not society, not the government, not your feelings, not your attitude. God defines love. And he defines how it's applicable, how we're responsible to it. And he puts that obligation on man, on the husband, to be responsible to his bride. So husbands, you man that is married to your wife, you are obligated. Did not ask you to understand. <laughs> Did not ask you to figure it out. Did not ask you to fix it. <laughs> he said, love it. Yeah. Love it. And you need to go back and listen to these messages on the podcast that Rick brought to you about how love God has laid out how we are to love our wives. Not by our experiences, not by the way our family does it, but what God says it looks like. These long laundry lists uh, concerning the husband, these are not beatdowns, man. These are builds up. These are extra. These are, are, are what you would call exhortation and edification. You're obligated. This should be something you want to do. This is be something that God's going to show you how to do it. So, when we look at this offness, what are we talking about? Well, if you will, I think it'll come up on the screen. We're going to be looking here at what you call Genesis, the first chapter. And we're going to start with the 26th verse. And I'm getting ready to show you three things here that Jesus refers back to when those Pharisees asked him that question. When he says, don't you know, in the beginning, that was the Ish and the Isha. The man was Ish and the woman was Isha. Two distinct people. Different, not the same, but alike. Alike in many ways, but not the same. Jesus goes back to that. And he tells them what the standard is. America don't determine that. Our government don't determine that. You don't determine that. God does. It's the standard. And in Genesis, Jesus is quoting you this. But look what he says, starting with verse 26. Now, I'm getting ready to give you three standard principles that come by design. Not by philosophy, not by attitude. The first one is called image. Here it is. Then God said, let us. You know who us is? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus already existed way before Mary. You need to understand that. He says, let us make man, mankind, in our, is the first eye, image. And when you love your wife, you're reflecting an image. You're reflecting God himself. And then he 
moves on and he says, according to what? I like this. And he said, let them rule over the fish and the sea and over all the birds of the sky and over the cattle and all the earth and on every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. You know what he's doing? That's separation there. That mankind is different from the animal kingdom. Not to say, now we act like animals sometimes, but we're not. We're different. He gives specificity here in that image. Our image is different from the image of a bird, of a snake, of something that crawls on the ground, something that, you know, swims in the sea, something that flies through the sky. We're mankind. We are created in the image of God. Hallelujah. Yes. Make no mistake about that. Jesus sets the standard. And then he moves on. <laughs> he says, God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Watch this. Here comes now identity. Now we're talking about two distinct, separate people. And yet they are the same species. Different. Yes. Now I'm getting to verse 28 here in just a moment in Ephesians 5. I want to show you what the writer of Ephesians is talking about and what he refers to when he says oughtness. And he says love. And he says, self. He's referring back to this. Distinction. He says, look at this image. He says, what? Male, ish. Not ish. Ish. And then he says, this beautiful one that God brought from Adam's side. I think when Adam saw her, because he had named everything but her. He looked at this woman, my goodness, and he said, oh, yeah, like me, but not. She's got features. He even found out she had an attitude. Yeah. Found all that out. Different. So not only do, does God set the standard for image, you know what else he says to stand for? Identity. That's it. That is right there. They are different. They're different. See, I want to tell you something that distinguishes a man from a woman that can never be changed. He can never have a baby. And he can never have a menstrual cycle. Ever. I don't care how much you change your body. I don't care how much estrogen you shoot. I don't care how much testosterone you shoot. You can't change that. Distinction. Identity. What is that? And guess what? It's sexual identity. So God is establishing separation. He's establishing distinction. And he's saying, Adam, this is you. Eesh. And I can't stand over there and be a woman, but I, you look at her. That's the shaw. So what is he saying in Ephesians 5 28? He's saying, you are obligated, Adam, to love the Eshaw. Because she you would call image 
Now, here's the third thing I'm going to show you in just a minute here. We're going to read it. I didn't make it up. We're going to read it. And he says, and God blessed him. Okay? Go, go, yeah, you go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, to, to, to 29. Then God says, behold, I give you every plant. Well, go back to what you were, because there's something here I got, I, got, I got to do on these other ones. Yeah. Now, in verse 28, God blessed them, and God said, watch this. Here comes what you would call the, if you, if you got, I got to read it. I can't memorize all this stuff. I might as well just read it. Okay? If you got images, you got identity, then guess what the third one is? You got increase. Watch this. Here we go. Be fruitful and multiply. See, at some point, I want you to replenish the earth. Two of the same cannot reproduce. Think about that. They can't. They have to borrow from something else. But what he's saying here is I not only give you image, I not only give you identity, but I give you increase because I want you to multiply. Church, did you hear that? And let the same be the same all the time to where eventually there will be nothing because it cannot be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. Notice this. He says, I give you dominion over the earth and all the birds and all the sea. But guess that? I have never given you dominion over man. And guess what? I have never given you dominion over yourself. For you to decide who you are. I decide that process. And I decide it from conception. Be fruitful and multiply. Think about it. This is God's standard. It's not mine. You don't get mad at me. I love you. Get mad at God. <laughs> don't debate with me. Debate with God. So, 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 what is he trying to tell the man? What is he trying to tell the husband? Okay. Be fruitful. This other word here in just a moment called love, because we're going to get back. Now, watch this the image and the identity, and the increase comes. Why? The image comes by design, the identity comes by what? Distinction, and the increase comes by duration. When that image and design becomes what you call dysfunctional, it begins to disrupt and it self-destructs. And that's what man is doing. He's disrupting the image. He's disrupting the design. He's doing what to the identity. He is what? He is destroying it. And he's disrupting it. And he's taking the increase that is duration. And you know what? It begins to self-destruct. So don't you misunderstand Ephesians 5, 28, when he says,
we supposed to love it or not? Isn't love supposed to be reckless of that dude? I can just love anything. Man, I can love a cuckoo cuck. And we call it love. See, the Greeks do that. The worst thing I can do is say, Vicki, I love you, I love my dogs, and I love peanut butter and jelly. All in the same suits. She'd be following like right now. Obviously, the Greeks say that there's more than one definition for love. And today, we're defining love our own way. We're defining marriage our own way. We're even defining our sexual identity our own way. But see, the Bible says different. See, let me share something with you about when he uses the word love and he uses the word self. Because we're going to go back. We're going to go back to Ephesians 5, 28 in just a moment. But you got to understand what these loves mean. You got to understand what the word ought mean. You got to understand what the word love means. You got to understand what the word self means. And you got to understand what the word other means. Now, giving you the oughtness, I'm, I'm getting ready to give you the love, but let's jump over the self and then back to love. See, let me, let me, let me just read this poem to you. This poem says something about self. It's not talking about being selfish. It's not talking about the tease of the flesh. It's talking about you. And you take you, whatever you got. It says, when I love you more than I love myself, I'm really loving you less. See, loving myself less than you, I make it harder for me to love me. See, your love for me is so very dependent on the love that I have for myself. And my love for you will be stronger if you love yourself the way you love me. See, look, Verse 29, Ephesians says, no one ever hates his own flesh. Let me, let me distinguish this for you. You may hate what you do. You may even hate what you experience. But you can't hate self. Because self is you. And to hate self is self-destructive. Because you say you don't like the way God created you. You don't like how God has created you in his image. In his identity and in the increase. Turn to you following the law. And people struggle with self. You shouldn't. God did sneeze and make you. He did. He took the time to create you. What is our means? Oh, yeah, you might be upset at your experience and you might be wondering why God allowed it to happen. So why does somebody hate his own flesh? <laughs> you may not even like the way you look. Big deal. God does. <laughs> yeah, he does. See? So when he says no one hates his own flesh, he said because flesh is natural. It has no Now, you need to realize 
that the value and the uh, what you call the preciousness of a person, which is characterized by this, is the one who is doing the love and the one being loved, and that is determined by the character of God. Man cannot produce agape. Only God can. I cannot agape the, except that agape comes through me from the agape himself, God. That's why when Rick was teaching the last few weeks, he was telling us men, how have we learned love? Have we learned it from our parents? Have we learned it from the streets? Have we learned it from the TV? Have we learned it from the magazine? Or have we learned it from God? That's critical. That's agape. You can't produce that. Now, these next three men can. One of the other types of love is called uh, phileo. You hear it. Philadelphia. Love characterized by friendship. Same as above in many, many ways, but doesn't take into account the person's character. I can love somebody and I cannot even care one thing about their character. That's called friendship. Then there's another love called starge, a love that is characterized by affection, which I can have for my family and my wife and my kids. But this love is determined basically by feelings. Really doesn't have anything to do with the character of those people. Love them anyway. That's my son. Love them anyway. Then there's a third one here. That's called Eros. Let me tell you about Eros. Eros is pure sexual attraction. Every man has it. You know what? Animals do it, and they don't even care who they do it with. That's called eros. And the problem we have today is we're calling eros a company, and it's not. Don't get mad at me. Read the word. And when the world talks about love, it talks about eros. the last piece of this. I'm giving you the platform for oddness. Obligated. I'll give you the platform for what love is. And how we look at all four of them, you can see that we're running crazy with errors in our nation today. Crazy. Calling it agape. It's not. But when you look at real love, and God does it, Real love brings the image of God, the identity of God, and the great grace of God. And the character does not change in process. Now, what about this other? Who is that? What is her? 
that, 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 that brings about something that's different than any other creature on the face of the earth. Because there's something about what he's sharing here that means so much that I want you to hear it, and then we're going to go back and we're going to read. Church, are you here this morning? Y'all got quiet on the brother. I don't see no hallelujahs and hopping pews. The church needs to get back to preaching their stuff. Because it's right there in Scripture, man. Now, let me just read this before I jump into the last part of this, because we're going to land the ship here. This is my first close. Have you ever been faced with questions like, what makes a human, what makes as human beings, what makes us as human beings so different than God's creation? So different than anything else. You ever ask this question, what does it mean to be created even in the image of God? You ever ask the question, what are some major differences that distinguish a man from a woman? We don't even want those distinctions anymore. We want to make up our own. What's the major differences in that? How does one, here we go, build sexual integrity? But what about that part? I mean, I, I don't know if, 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 if the prophet who, who has left us, uh, Marvin Gaye, knew what he was saying when he was singing the song, We Need Sexual Healing. Yes, we do. Real bad. He had, he had different intentions with that song. And how many people are asking the question, how have we been challenged with the reality of what real sexuality is? Because sexuality and sex are two different things. One is who I am. The other one is how I express who I am. My bride and to my husband. So, what would we, what does it mean about the other? Well, here is what the other brings. When that husband reflects oneness towards his bride. Here's what it brings. Watch this. Now, some of you may think I'm getting ready to get romantic. I'm not. But it is the greatest love story on earth. There is no love story between a husband and a wife. Unlike anything in the world. Nothing like it. You don't see the birds. Oh, look at those two birds. And look, look at that frog, man. You don't see that. You don't see that as a love story. But when you see a husband loving his wife, it is the greatest love story on earth. And that's what God wants to reflect. The second thing you will see it is complementary because it has gender clarity. There is no confusion. The third thing is it is holy and it is sacred. It is to be honored before God. And then it is also sexual wholeness. Because I get a chance to reflect in that marriage of Gabe. I get a chance to reflect Phileo and my wife as a friend. I get a chance to reflect Stargate in my reflection and love for her. And we get a chance together to express Eros. Pure sexual attraction for each other. And it's holy. And then Jesus. 
spoke about all of it. When he said, honor your mother and father, guess who he was talking about? He was talking about family and marriage. And then he said, don't commit adultery. He was talking about sexual boundaries. Don't ever say he didn't speak about all this stuff. It's right So when Jesus says to Paul through the Spirit in Ephesians 5, can you go back there? Here's what he said. He said, Husbands, you You are obligated to let love in the image that it presents. You're obligated to let the identity of love and the increase of love reflected in the triumph of God. You're obligated to do that to your wife. You are obligated to Agape her through me, you are obligated to phileo her and to stargate her and to what? Eros her. All in one. As even your own body. She is the other. And you know what else? If you love your wife, you are demonstrating that you love yourself and you love me. Because you're reflecting my image and you're reflecting my identity and you want to be a part of the infinity of the holy world. Then he says, no one hates He says this, but you know what he does? He nourishes it. I ate this morning. I had my powerful fruit smoothie. I had it. You know what else? I cherish it. I don't want to hurt it. I want to take care of it because it is the temple of the living. relationship 
greatest person, the most powerful person on earth. So, I want you to get ready for communion today. And just like there will be billions of people watching that game today, around the TV set, trying to see who's going to emerge, there's a whole heavenly host looking in on us and asking the question, is the church going to survive? The answer is yes. Is marriage going to survive? The answer is yes. Or husband and wife going to love each other? The answer is yes. Because God has designed it. And it will stay the test of time. Regardless of what man does. So, we're going to get ready to take up our offering here. And then we're going to do our communion. It's the first Sunday of the month. I am so glad you're here. I am so glad that you decided out of all the places you could be, come out and hang out with us a little bit. Thank you for doing that so much. We really love to have you. So as we get ready to take up our offering, I want you to know that the Bible is very clear about tithing, about alms and offering. And let me say this to you. Are you in debt? Let me tell you this. You can't afford not to tithe. Because <laughs> he says, I will become your bank. Well, yeah. Amen. He said, I will become whatever you need. Just, just give it to me. Trust me with it, and I'll multiply it for mm -hmm. you. And, and, and he promises that, you know. But he also says there are things like arms uh, where you just give, and then there's things like offerings where you take up and do that. So we're asking today, Lord, Father, God, bless the tithe today. Bless the offering today. Bless the arms so that you may in turn take it and create your own economy. That's called reciprocity. Mm -hmm. So that we won't lack nothing. And when we have more, we can give it to those who don't. And when those who don't have more, they can give it to us when we don't. So God bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. This is a real special time. I always look forward to the first Sunday of the month. I always look forward to it. One of the reasons why I look forward to it is because it gives me a chance to refocus. It gives me a chance to realize who I serve. But there's times when I hear that the Christian ladies and the obligations and responsibility that come from being a church family and working in the household of God and serving. And sometimes I can forget obligation. Communion brings me back to that. Communion takes me and says, hey, wait a minute. Rose up, purchase a place to give 
heard the word today, God says, listen to it. Receive it. And you confess with your mouth. Believe it in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be That's for you today. Father in heaven, Thank you.